0: Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Hey there, welcome to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for downloading us, however it is you listen to your podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever it is, we're there. And thank you for tuning in and uh, joining us. And a reminder that we do have a promo code on SeatGeek if you're looking for tickets to a game. Check out SeatGeek, enter the promo code L O CELTICS. And you'll get twenty dollars back, a twenty dollar rebate on your first ticket purchase through the mobile app. I am John Corrales, one half of the Rain and Jays. Not joined by Jay King because Jay King is off on his birthday extravaganza this week. But we're being joined by another person who you might know if you listen to other Celtics podcasts, who will be joining us for this upcoming season. Sam Packard, everybody. Sam, welcome. How's
1: it- Thank you. Thank you. How's it going, John?
0: It's going pretty well, man. So I, I'm excited to make this announcement that you will be joining us this season. What, what's going to happen for those of you who aren't aware or are new listeners? We are going to be going to a daily format. We started going daily at the end of the season uh, and then through June and July. August is a dead month, so we're doing two a day, uh, two a week. September, we'll be doing two a week until about mid September. Then we're going to be daily. For like eight months, and so we're bringing Sam in to be part of the team to make sure that we've got the whole thing covered that we've got some good interaction. Uh, if you haven't listened to Sam on the WEI podcast in the past, uh, hilarious, hilarious. I always love listening to your show because you're a funny guy and you're really good on the, uh, the the Celtics takes not too hot, not too cold. you got those nice like boom takes. I- so, I try
1: to be as level-headed as possible, and then just try to throw in as many Simpsons references as possible. So I think when me and you are together, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of everything coming up. Millhouse and things that Jay <laughs> King will never understand.
0: <laughs> These will be perfectly cromulent episodes for sure. Uh, but because Jay and I are the Rain and Jays, uh, we're going to have to rename you.
1: I know. I know this time has been coming, and I'm yeah. prepared for it. Yeah, I'm ready.
0: It, it works very nicely.
1: It does. I, from now on, or any time I'm on the Reigning Jays, I will be known as Jam Packard.
0: Jam Packard.
1: And it fits with basketball, it fits with the Reigning Jays, and I'm I'm excited about it. It kind of feels like we were, we were once rivals, and to follow in the footsteps of uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, now we're creating this super team, and I'm excited about it.
0: That's what this is all about. Just inspired by people getting together and just creating the super podcast team, and and just dominating the NBA landscape—that's just what we do here. So uh, let's welcome aboard. And maybe every once in a while we'll have all three of us together, and that'll be a crazy shit show. But whatever, we'll we'll make it work. We make the rules, whatever we want. Uh, look and look. Here we are. It's the end of August. This is tumbleweed city. We actually have things to talk about because of all of these projections that are out there. And ESPN put out their real plus minus projections, and wouldn't you know it, the Celtics are projected to win 50 games and be the fourth best team in the in the NBA and the second best team in the East. So why even play the season? Let's just start the playoffs right now.
1: I was actually going to say something. How long those same lines? I feel like you said that tongue in cheek, but. Uh, there's two separate issues here. There's, there, there's what I see as the projections, which feel uh, kind of accurate. And all the projection system uh, said the Celtics were going to uh, perform well last year, and they did. And I feel like the Celtics, with the addition of Al Horford, have certainly made a jump and could be project, uh could be the uh, in the top five teams in in the league this year. But the question I wanted to ask you is, does the regular season matter? Because at the before last season, I feel like the general consensus was we're going to get the Warriors and the Cavs in the finals, and that's what we got, and I don't think anything is really, even with Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, I don't think anything has really changed, so how much does the regular season matter when it really comes down to, this season will be determined if it's a success or not, based on what the Celtics do in the playoffs.
0: I think the regular season matters a lot, because this is where you get your experience for some of these younger guys, Terry Rozier, who we're going to talk about in a minute, where is he going to fit? We're going to get uh, some of the rotation set. Just look at last season. They started out. Where did they start last season, and where did they finish last season? The metamorphosis that took place once David Lee was gone, once they figured out how to play guys. That that was a, a big transformation for this team. The, and you never know. This is. I hate to to play the you never know card because it. it in some ways, it feels like kind of a cop out, but. You have to play 82 games, and you never do know what's going to happen. Injuries happen. Chemistry can fall apart. Guys can get drunk and get arrested. You know, you never know what Draymond Green is going to be up to. You don't know if somebody on the Cavs is going to freak out. You don't know if LeBron is going to hit a wall somewhere because he's played so many minutes that, I know he's in prime physical condition still. He keeps himself in immaculate shape. But at some point, the miles have to catch up, and you never know if one of those overuse injuries is going to sneak up on him at the wrong time and suddenly open up the east towards the end of the season. So you got to play it. You got to play it out, and you got to see where things go, and then once you get to the playoffs, you turn it up a notch. So I feel like there were a lot of cliches there, but it's –
1: it's all true. It's all it's true. I definitely agree that, and I'm going to be there watching all of the games and going to be really like diving into different play calls in the fourth quarter of the third game of the season. But at the end of the day, it seems like this team's success will really be measured on what they do in the playoffs. So I, if, I think we're going to kind of talk about separate issues here. We can either talk about the greater season as a whole, or we can talk about the story about how they get there. So yes, it's, it's obviously important. Um, but it's there's kind of a cynical viewpoint from my uh, standpoint is of, well, if, this, if the Celtics lose again in the first round, it doesn't really matter how many games they win.
0: Sure, sure, there's that. I mean, if the, if the Celtics go off and win 55 games and lose in the first round again, then we've got a problem. But there's, there's still a matter of who they face in the first round, and we've got to let the season play out to figure that out. Uh, How good is Indiana going to be? How good is Orlando going to be? Will Atlanta fall off? Well, all of these things are important because what happens in the first round can often be determined by matchups. So if the Celtics, like look at last regular season, if the Celtics had handled their business at the end of the season, not even worried about the Brooklyn debacles and the loss to the Lakers and all of that stuff. If they had handled their business at the end of the season and changed their seeding a little bit, we wouldn't have been talking potentially of a first-round exit. We might have been talking about losing in the second round. The great progress that they made, it would have reshaped the entire tone of the offseason. So the regular season matters in that if the Celtics get the third seed and get a, a crappy matchup, or if they get the second seed and get a better matchup, that could be the difference between Getting to the Eastern Conference Finals or another bounce in the first round, so it's it's all very important.
1: No, that's a very good point, and we saw with the kind of crazy seating system that they, if they had went up against the Heat last year or the Hornets, I think they uh, would have a much better chance of taking that series. Um, but I want to ask you about the the actual projections. Um, it says forty nine point eight wins, so we'll call that fifty and the fourth-best team in the league. Do you think that's accurate? Do you see the Celtics as the fourth-best team? They're clearly behind the Cavs and Golden State. And I would say um, – I don't know. Who would be the third team in that scenario?
0: Well, uh, the Cavs, Golden State, uh, maybe the – the Spurs have to be up the Spurs, there. Spurs, yeah. I'm really curious to see how the Spurs do without Duncan kind of quarterbacking that uh, – that defense. That's going to be a real interesting thing for them. Because look, it's like when when KG left the Celtics, even even though he wasn't producing at a high the highest of levels anymore, the guy behind the defense like KG, like Duncan, he sees the entire floor. He's the only guy on the floor that sees everything. He sees every pick, he sees the the actions on either side. He he understands what's happening and can bark out those signals. Duncan, very special at being able to do that. KG, obviously very special being able to do that. Can Pau Gasol do it at that same level? Can they? No way! Exactly. (laughs) So that, you can be a great individual defender, but when you don't have that slight advantage, I always talk about that half second too slow. That half second, that's the difference between stopping a guy from getting into the lane and getting beat off the dribble. These guys all move so quickly that if you get that half second advantage by knowing by having a guy behind you calling things out and guiding you you've stopped you've stopped penetration. If you don't have that and a guy slams into you with a pick, next thing you know the entire defense is blown up. So San Antonio's still going to be really good. They still have really really good players. They still have pop coaching. Just kind of curious as to how much of a drop-off defensively that's going to make. Uh, But when we're looking at the... To answer your question, it's almost like two questions wrapped up in one. Are the Celtics the fourth best team in the NBA? No, I wouldn't put them as the fourth best team. But they could end up with the fourth best record because... Teams in the West will beat each other up a little bit more. There's a little bit more power at the bottom of that. Even though the East is kind of, the parity is kind of equal, the teams at the bottom are still pretty terrible. And for the Celtics, they still have the Sixers and and Nets in their division, so they can fatten up on some of those games. So they can have the fourth best record in the NBA. That's definitely possible. But if you're really ranking the teams and who you'd pick in a seven-game series, I wouldn't put them ahead of Cleveland or obviously Golden State, San Antonio, maybe the Clippers. Uh,
1: I was going to throw the clippers in there as well yeah,
0: and then and then you get to the the mix of Toronto's going to be tough. can they beat them in a seven game series? Portland will be tough, uh, Utah's going to be tough the, These are all teams that are are tough matchups especially a team like Utah that's going to be like the darling of the NBA. But, so yeah, I think I think record-wise the Celtics could be fourth best. But there are, there are probably a solid six to eight teams that you might put ahead of them realistically if you were picking who would win in a, a seven-game series.
1: I think one of the major questions is how did the Celtics match up against the Raptors, a team in their division, who they... They did not play. They had, I think, one win against them last year. Um, but I remember a game in Toronto where just Kyle Lowry and Rosen went crazy um, and from outside and just destroyed the Celtics. And how do you think the Celtics match up against the Raptors? The Raptors only really added uh, Jared Sullinger, a former friend of the <laughs> friend of the team. But uh, other than that, they didn't uh, really improve their team uh, greatly. Uh, you would have to imagine that a full year of Damari Carroll being healthy. Uh, going to improve their team, but I don't know if they're demonstrably better. I don't know what the, the Raptors' ceiling is. It feels like we basically saw what the Raptors are going to be. I don't see how they get any better. And with the Celtics adding Al Horford, I definitely think they're um, likely to be the second team in the East. I
0: think the biggest thing for the Celtics against the Raptors is that the Raptors don't have Biombo anymore, and that that rim protection is something that you'll need against the Celtics, especially now you, you trot out there. If, if Kelly Olynyk is healthy— Jay and I have been talking about it. We'll, we, we'd we like to start a healthy Olenek alongside uh, Horford with Crowder and Bradley and and uh, Isaiah Thomas. Now you've got four other guys that you, you can respect. You have to respect their three-point shooting ability. And now I, Isaiah Thomas and Horford could just go pick and roll or pick and pop or whatever and just go nuts. So without Biombo there to kind of protect the rim... Uh, that makes it that makes a ma- matchup a little more even, and if the Celtics can just stop uh, Demar Derozan from getting to the rim, and and maybe with Horford that happens a little more often, then that could maybe swing a couple of those games, and and the season series might at least be even.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I just don't see it in any way. Like if they're playing Balotcheunas at the five, he's going to really be able to step out and stay with Horford if he's hanging around the three point line. So I agree with you there that kind of the loss of Biombo is going to have a big impact. And I also agree that Olenek has to start in the starting lineup just to surround Isaiah with its, as many shooters as possible. But other than that, teams in the East, I can't think that anyone is going to really... It seems like Cleveland's clearly the number one, and then the next tier is the the Raptors and the Celtics. I don't see really any other teams stepping up. Um, if we look at the playoffs teams last year, is was Charlotte, Charlotte, uh, well, my, The Heat, the Atlanta Hawks, none of those teams really you would think are going to make a run for the kind of the top seeds in the
0: East. No. In fact, the, uh, the projections had Atlanta kind of fighting for that eighth seed. And so they have uh, Detroit as the fourth seed, I believe, and then kind of like the logjam after that. Uh, but, yeah, I think obviously the –
1: Oh, we forgot about the super team in uh, in New York. There, yes, the which
0: is projected to be like third worst in the East. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! They, I uh,
1: see. I don't have an insider account, so I'm glad you're relaying this information. Yeah, to-
0: yeah. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Derek Rose in that you can't approach a season thinking you're going to lose. In fact, quick story: when I was in college playing ball, I remember my senior year. We had just come off a pretty good season my junior year. We had won, we'd won an award for being most improved team in New England, and blah, 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 and I felt good. I felt really good, and we had a 25-game schedule, so I put up before the season started. I looked through the schedule. I put up on the whiteboard to this year's goal, 23-2, and two, which put a school record. That would have been an amazing, 23 wins, we, which we didn't get, but would have been amazing to me. Coach came in, saw that in there. He says, who the hell put this on the board? And I'm proud of myself. I said, of course, I'm raising my hand. I'm the captain of the team. He goes, you tell me which two games you think we're going to lose, and I'll make sure I sit you for those two games. Which shocked me, but taught me an amazing lesson, and this is kind of where Derek Rose's head's at. You can't go into any game thinking you're going to lose. You can't go into a game looking at the schedule and be like, ugh, uh, I don't know about this one. you got to go in there and saying, if we do this and we do that and we do that, we're going to win this game. So, I can see where Derrick Rose is like, look, I got my boy Joachim Noah here. Uh, we got Porzingis. obviously Melo coming off the Olympic thing. We 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 got some players here. I feel like we have a chance to win every game.
1: But Oh, I don't blame I don't blame Derrick Rose for the confidence, but the talent <laughs> the talents is not there.
0: The it it may be misguided confidence, but it's confidence that I can at least respect. But, you know, also Framing it in the terms of a super team is a little bit, like that's something he might not have wanted to say. But whatever, that's cool. They're not going to make, they might make a best case scenario for them. Best case, I think, is a seventh seed. Look at the East last year. You needed to win 44 games to make the playoffs. Are the the Knicks going to really be a 500 team? I don't know if they're a 500 team.
1: I'm just excited for the first, like, what, four game winning streak the Knicks have, and then all of Nick's Twitter comes out, and it's just like celebrating poor Zingas and calling him a god and saying this is an actual super team. <laughs> and then you know they're due for another, like, eight game losing streak, or just it's just going to be a, a, a kind of a soap opera uh, in the tabloid story in New York, which is kind of what you want with the Knicks. You just want there to be controversy. It doesn't really yeah. matter if they win.
0: Borderline relevance. Like, they don't even have to be relevant. They just enough where the tabloids are going to really go at them in the uh on the back pages and then the other subplot that no one's really talking about is how much longer is Phil Jackson going to stick around with that mess I just think he was in it for the paycheck but I don't want to turn this into a whole Knicks podcast which we could easily uh, there are some intriguing teams out there the the Pistons were, were ranked fourth in the east projection wise which is real interesting. I'm kind of curious what they're going to be. I'm really curious about what Orlando is going to be. I talked to some people. Uh, I have some friends in the organization. Without, I'll just say that they're more confident than the general public is in their moves. And I don't know what they're going to be, but they're pretty confident in, in the moves that they've made, that they can make some noise in the East this year.
1: Are they going to be playing Aaron Gordon at uh... – at the three or at the four, because I think there are, and they still have that kind of question of like, how do they deal with Aaron Gordon and Frisonia next to each other? And I agree. They're kind of a, an interesting team, but how confident can you be when you're paying Jeff green, $15 million? Well, year?
0: that's, that's always the case. When Jeff green is, is on your team, you're always going to be sitting there thinking like, yeah, we can, what if, what, if he can only do this, How m- if he can only put it together for
1: four yeah. games in a row, like maybe
0: we can go there. That's, Celtics fans, we know, we know all too all too much the, if only Jeff Green, if he can just do this, if he can just put it together, it's so tantalizing, but I don't know, I don't know, they're confident, but I still think in the end, projection wise, I like where the Celtics are, I think everything's lining up, everything's sort of agreeing, last year at this time, these projections were kind of putting the Celtics out at the high forty win mark, and I was like, "Really? I I didn't see it, but this year I can see it. This year I'm I, the eye test, the the analysis, the the numbers, the abstract, the everything, kind of all lining up for the Celtics to be somewhere above fifty wins and fighting Toronto for that second seed, and and that's that's a hell of a place to be, especially when." The Brooklyn Nets are projected to be the third worst team in the NBA. It's right where you want them to be. It's perfect. This is perfect.
1: Everything's coming up, Milhouse. I
0: love it. I love it. Uh, and R.J. Hunter is hoping that everything comes up. Hunter, <laughs> does that make sense? Whatever. It did to me. It did to I'm me. I'm just gonna roll with it. Uh, he had some quotes in the in the the Globe to Adam Himmelsbach talking about the, the talk that he's being written off. And we, we heard over the summer that Hunter's spot, especially after Summer League, Hunter's spot is kind of in doubt. Now, he was dealing with a wrist injury in Summer League, so it would give him a little bit of leeway. But for, for that to be out there, kind of surprising. And maybe this is what the Celtics were looking for. So when he says, I'm a competitor, this is a quote, I'm a competitor, so it's just absolutely motivation for me. I think it adds an extra competitive spirit to training camp, which is a great way to get the year started. I'd rather have it that way because now I have no reason to be on my toes every possession at, and at every practice, so I'll try to use it to my advantage. That's RJ Hunter saying the right thing and kind of expressing that, okay, this is, you think I'm fighting for the last spot? I'll I'll show you. So now the question is, do you really a Do you really think he's fighting for the last spot? And B, will he get it?
1: I mean, I think he's definitely fighting for the last spot. As you mentioned on Red's Army, they have nineteen guys right now, and a number of them are probably going to get cut. But there's still it's a it's a very full roster. I don't know if he's guaranteed the spot. I think he definitely is fighting for it because I think that's what Danny Ainge wanted to do by drafting so many players in the second round is to kind of create this atmosphere of competition. As for his quotes, it might fall into the school of like kind of the Derrick Rose false sense of confidence because I haven't really been too impressed by with what RJ Hunter has shown us, at least in his rookie year, um, and then in summer league. I definitely he's shown some moments of great decision making and being a good passer, but for a guy who's kind of supposed to be a, a shooting specialist, there's not one occasion I can think of where RJ Hunter really really showed us what he can do, especially from three. He never made more than than two threes in any game last year, and most of those games were blowouts. So if he's really going to kind of step up and like, make an impact, let alone just make the roster, he's going to have to show that he's a consistent shooter uh, before anything else.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. And, and I like Hunter. Hunter has a quick release in that he, and I, I, hate, I hesitate to do this, but he shoots it like Curry form-wise. Form-wise, in that he shoots it almost like on the way up, where most guys will shoot at the t- at the apex. He's kind of shooting right before his apex, but his release point is a lot lower, and it has a tendency to get maybe blocked or challenged a little bit more. So there there are tweaks he needs to make, but he does have he can get that ball out of his hands pretty quickly. So I like that, and it's only been one year, and it's been up and down from NBA to D League. And he still needs to get stronger. He still needs to put on some weight and all of that. So I'm giving him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. And like I said on the site this morning, cutting him costs a lot more than cutting Ben Bentle. So they they could easily trade him. They could package him into a trade for a second-round pick and just be done with it. Or Bentel could be the guy to go. And I think I don't think they drafted Bentle in – with the intention of having him fight for a spot, necessarily, I think he was going to be a D league stash kind of guy. So we'll see how that that all plays out. I, I still like I still like Hunter. The Celtics definitely need shooting, and I think that he can become a reliable enough shooter to stick around. But it, it's really up to him in this training camp. It's a pretty important training camp, but I definitely think that he's got the leg up on James Young and and others who are uh, on the cusp or non-guaranteed deals. And so I, I'm I'm putting my faith in R.J. Hunter. But obviously people know me. I've been kind of a Hunter guy so far. So I might be giving him – it's possible I'm giving him a little too much of, of the benefit of the doubt.
1: He definitely has the pole position on the final roster spot because he's actually shown that he's – can be somewhat productive in an NBA game and Ben Bentle hasn't really has shown that he can commit a number of fouls in summer league but I think that once if he does make the team then I don't really see him having any really impact on the floor he has to play in front of Rozier who seems like the the anointed next guy up and then smart Bradley and uh, of course Isaiah so I don't once he does make the team it's still going to be a struggle I still imagine him spending a lot of time riding that Greyhound bus up to Portland, Maine. So the road is long for RJ Hunter, and I would I would agree with you that he's probably he's likely to make the team, but I don't know what's uh, what's in stake for him after that.
0: Yeah. So I guess this is just one of those wait and see things, but it's good that Hunter's taking it as motivation and hopefully he can use it to propel him to become what the Celtics need him to be. All right, we mentioned Rosier a couple of times. Let's talk about him before we wrap up this show. Oh, Terry, 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 Terry. So his last Snapchat story from a couple of days ago, basically filled with making it rain and naked strippers and all of this stuff. So if you didn't read me on the site, this is basically my take. He's a 22-year-old kid, makes a little bit of money. That's nice. He's not super rich, but he's rich enough. So if I was 22 and I was making a little bit of money, I'd be out there basically doing what he did. And maybe, maybe I'd be Snapchatting it, but I'm not an NBA player. And you gotta be careful when you're an NBA player and when your coach is Brad freaking Stevens and your GM is Danny Ainge, two of the most straight-laced, clean-cut guys you're ever gonna meet. So I hope that Terry Rozier can just, I'm assuming that they will have spoken to him by now. I hope that he will at least. It's fine if you go and partake in these activities. It's legal. Everybody's consenting. You're 22. You're not. You're not underage. You've got the money. It's whatever. Go ahead. Go out. Have fun. You're a kid. Go have fun. Make some mistakes. Just don't make those mistakes on social media.
1: Well, see the problem with Terry, and I've been watching Terry's Snapchat pretty much since he since he's been drafted. He's a general oversharer he'll just have snaps of him driving in the car listening to future rapping about that like his friends sleeping him just getting workout. out he probably has he's probably the most prolific person i follow on snapchat and you gotta you gotta, you gotta you gotta let it get away from him a little bit and i understand he's what only 22 years old it's not a mistake you want to make but i just i just love i wanted to be a fly on the wall at that conversation where either Brad and Danny watch the Snapchats, or just the conversation where they talk to Terry about uh, about his activities, because that would be endlessly entertaining for me.
0: <laughs> Gosh darn it, Terry! Now sit down. You know, like now, uh, I
1: noticed the the female there is naked. Yeah.
0: Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I can't watch this. You turn, turn that off, turn that off. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we always say. <laughs> I always joke around about Brad Stevens doing the "gosh darn it" thing and blah blah blah. I think if you really look at him and read his lips, he's dropping a lot more. He's a lot more salty with his language than than we like to. With the the joke about him being Mr. Indiana clean cut, gosh darn it, blah 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 is, is is funny, but he's he's a lot saltier than we give him credit for. Oh, he's Brad Stevens' personality
1: is one of the most fascinating things about the Celtics to me. Just being around. Um, his pre and post games last year he's so he's belichickian and how calculated he is with the media and i I definitely agree with you he's get angry he gets frustrated on the bench, and he's definitely swearing, but he has that kind of that switch where he's able to turn on that that kind of midwestern charm and not really say anything um and he has those moments where he's he's a little funny and will take digs at some reporters for their questions but I don't know. I'm I'm endlessly fascinated by what Steven what Stevens is like kind of behind closed doors when he's not in in that media mode.
0: Yeah. That that's going to be something like I think it's a revelation that he's probably look, you're around athletes. Your your job it's it's a locker room job. You know what I mean? If anybody's ever been in a locker room, you know what kind of place that can be. It's wild. It gets a little crazy. And to be around those guys, and especially now to be in the NBA for a few years around grown men in locker rooms acting like kids, it's an entirely different scene. You got to have to interact on them w- w- on their level. You have to kind of get into their mind frame sometimes just to kind of prove that you're part of the whole thing. Not saying you got to act like a player, but. Yeah, Brad Stevens is
1: not like walking in the locker room and quoting future or anything like that. Right. But, like, he, he he's definitely has to be, like, upset after a loss and, like, you get be a real some, person. He has to be authentic. Yeah,
0: you got to get up in somebody's face. And sometimes you got to – and I've heard guys talk about this. He does it more um, selectively as opposed to – well, as opposed to Greg Popovich who's, who's just direct – I mean, he just will get into somebody's face and just tear into them day in, day out. Or um, uh, Stan Van Gundy is very animated all the time. Build a
1: effing wall. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Here's a question Can we swear on the lockdown rating, J?: Yeah,
0: I don't think we've ever tested those limits. I did say shit show <laughs> earlier. What about the F word, though? That's the key to, key to that quote. I don't know. Well, well build a f-ing wall. <laughs> We're going to – I'll see if I get an email about that. Um, I I think uh, – look, hey, if if you can swear on the vertical that I – mean, and that Simmons podcast with uh, J.J. Reddick. I don't know if you heard that one, but
1: – Oh, I did. So Simmons, now he's not on ESPN swearing like a sailor. I
0: mean, really. I mean, he's, he's a Boston guy, and all us Boston guys, we swear every other word as it is anyway. So the fact that we haven't sworn as much on this show, trust me, lots of restraint being uh, held there.
1: But now that Jam Packard's on the team,
0: Jam Packard in here, just dropping F-bombs, the KG of the show, just coming in here and just blacking out and swearing and clapping his hands in people's faces. I'm excited. Let's go. (laughs) But Brad Stevens, I'm sure, in practice, will drop plenty of those, but just not indiscriminately. I think he's dropping them on a very selective level because I've heard guys say when he goes off, you know, like, oh, shit, we we're in trouble now. So uh, it kind
1: of feels like the, the kind of the, the teacher in high school that you respect. Yeah. And then like when they go off or when you're like goofing around in class too much and they actually like get really upset that's what scares you. That's what makes you like think, "Oh, we respect this guy, and that uh, we didn't want to piss him off at all, and we've never seen him really get this angry." So he must mean he must be serious. So he's not yelling for no reason. Like this is something he really cares about. So I think that's like kind of the effective coaching strategy Stevens has used. Yeah.
0: So I, I think that I think maybe some of that might be warranted for Terry Rozier, where he gets on the phone and he's like, "Terry, yeah, hey, Coach, what's up?" What the f*** are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, what do you mean? You Snapchat, goddamn it! What the hell are you doing? <laughs> so, uh yeah. I. I uh, it's it's a good lesson for him to learn, and it's a good lesson because nothing. He didn't do anything necessarily wrong, other than really, really overshare. Uh, that's if that's his worst indiscretion. It's something you can chalk up to a twenty-year-old kid being 22 you know with a little bit of money at a strip club like that's we all wish at 22 that we had that kind of flow so but it's a good lesson no one got hurt no one got arrested no one got into any sort of trouble it's just a little thing right there so all right hey jam that's a great debut for you oh i thank
1: you i'm excited to be here
0: <laughs> uh and a reminder to everybody that you can check out the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy. Fantasy basketball is coming up soon, and uh, that's getting super, super big. And so they'll, check them out, Locked On Fantasy, for that. Uh, also check out SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app. Uh, put in the promo co- code LO Celtics for a 20, uh, $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase through the mobile app. Check them out. We'll be talking about them more throughout the year. And uh, that's it. We want to thank you for tuning in, downloading the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates. The rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare progressive direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit progressive.com. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.